Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. What a beautiful day it is in Southern California. You know, it's almost baseball weather. Oh, baseball guys. Like, why are you talking trash to me, Godley? We got some Russell Wilson stuff for you. Um, got some Isaiah Thomas. I find myself agreeing and disagreeing with Isaiah Thomas on hoops. Let, let's talk some hoops. Um, I love guys. Yesterday I shared with you. Yesterday I shared with you a story of having drinks with uh, the late great Kobe Bryant and the the things you get from people are like how dare you share a story of a dead man okay so I'm, I'm watching on social media and Chandler Parsons shares a story about Kobe Bryant where Kobe picked up uh, everyone's tab at a nightclub when he was a rookie in LA and you're like oh that one's okay but if I share you a story that a one-on-one conversation I had with Kobe uh, because you didn't like how it sounded, it's I'm lying and I'm an idiot and whatever. I'm talking like, yeah, I, I just, I, I struggle to understand how some people deal with life. You know, some people deal with life, but they do. Uh, and then yesterday I said, look, I, look, I don't, I'm not sure Kobe Bryant's really a top 10 player all time. And you would think I said Kobe Bryant sucks. Why was he ever even an all-star? But then you kind of start to go through it. You're like, okay, well, if Michael Jordan's the greatest player I've ever seen, he's the GOAT. And then below that, you put the Bird, Magic, LeBron, right? Those are those three. And I put Kareem in there, right? Now we're going, we're already kind of four in. And you got to figure out, like, do I count Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell, do I count, like, you know, do I count those guys or or not? You know, how far back do I go historically? And if I want to go rings, why can't I give it to, why can't I put Tim Duncan in there? Um, who is a better basketball player? I guess you give it to Kobe, but who is more dominant? It, it was Shaquille O'Neal. Right? We kind of start to go through these guys. You're like, well, wait, wait, hold on a second. What are you talking about? Like, I'm just. Speaking honestly about the all-time greats in NBA history. You know, what do you do with Dr. J? What do you do? There's so many different. What do you do with so many of these guys who were all-time? Akeem Olajuwon. And granted, Kobe won five titles. That has value. But what you're saying is Kobe Bryant, his five titles are more impressive than the ones that Tim Duncan won. Like, what? How's, how's, how does that exactly work? How does that exactly work? So I would say, you know, Kobe is better than Dwayne Wade, but there's a lot of the Dwayne Wade. You know, Dwayne Wade won a title with Shaq as a secondary piece, and then he was the secondary piece when LeBron helped lead his team to the title. What do you do with Giannis? 
He's a two-time MVP who just won an NBA Finals MVP. Where do you put him in this thing? You know, and we all have this thing about Kobe and the mama mentality, and it was great. That wasn't who Kobe was for a good portion of his career. Just wasn't. So this idea that Kobe Bryant was, you know, a dominant player, the level of, he wasn't at the level of Bird or Magic or Michael or LeBron consistently. No, he was, he was a great player, an all-time great player. But he's just below that great range of superstars. And it was really hard because early in his career, you know, the first half when they won the three titles, it was with Shaquille O'Neal. And I'm not sure there's ever been a guy like Shaquille O'Neal. Maybe you'd say Wilt Chamberlain in his prime was as dominant athletically and physically as as uh, as Shaq was in his prime. That'd be fair. How do you measure that out against Kobe Bryant? You, you don't. That's why the list thing becomes dumb. Check out the latest lines of World of Sports, the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. You must be 21. President in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania. Play gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler. Uh, John Morant's made a bunch of headlines this year. He's dominated dominated his Utah his uh, Memphis Grizzlies team is really really good. Then of course he pounded tequila straight on an airplane set for the All Star game. Some people freaked out. He came back and and promptly started to eviscerate folks. And he had 52 points last night. Uh, here's his filthy dunk. Everybody's talking about. Got to be the 50 ball man. First in history. I ain't gonna lie. I don't know if I can talk about that right now, man. My head all over the place. Um, just thankful for my teammates, you know, my coaches, you know, they believe in me, have, you know, all the confidence in the world that, you know, I can go and, you know, make the right play. And, you know, tonight uh, they were looking for me. And like I said before, as I got close, they told me to, you know, go ahead and go get it. That that was, that's job rent. So the question becomes, what do we do? The MVP discussion, honestly, is kind of a... Daily debate show sort of timing topic, right? Like it, the MVP wasn't that big a thing for a long time where we talked about it throughout the season. Now we do, and we do so because sometimes we need time to fill on those TV shows and they talk MVP. But when you look at MVP, are you truly the most valuable player to your team? Or is it, are you having an all-time great season or are you an all-time great player? Byer, how do you evaluate if you are going to vote on the MVP? And they just hand you a ballot. What's most important to you? How do you evaluate who the most valuable player Gosh. in the NBA is? Yeah, I, I just I think it's a combination of of factors, and I I probably fall into the unfortunate group of if you've done it before, it's maybe not as impressive the second time. And I know that's not fair, but I actually you know feel that way, and I actually think it's tougher to repeat and be the back to back MVP. So in saying all of that, like. I think that, you know, Nikola Jokic has more to do this year than, say, Joel Embiid does. I know that's not fair. I know that's probably not right. But when you take a combination of winning, when you take a combination of where your team is, what your stats are, um, that's what I, you know, weigh all into it. A lot of different reasons. Um, how much help you actually have around you sometimes can can play into that. But it's a variety of reasons, some fair, some unfair. How uh Okay, so let me ask you this question. If uh, you were voting for the MVP as of just today, and I, there's still 20 games left, who would you vote for? Yeah, one, two, three. 
Steph Curry, uh, probably number one. Um, then I would probably put Embiid and then Jokic. Hmm. Okay. Why not John Rent? Because they played well when he was hurt? Um, yeah, and I didn't honestly I didn't even take it into consideration um okay. of of you know, of just I mean, Golden State's what, second in the West right now. Um now he did go through a nasty slump. I mean, should be pointed out. He did he did Sure. Didn't have Clay, uh don't have Draymond. Um you know, that would be that would be a part of it. The Embiid case is interesting because now you add James Harden to the equation. So does that hurt Joel Embiid's uh, situation if the Sixers aren't? Um, if the Sixers do do better, are you like saying, all right, it's because Harden's there and not Embiid? I don't um, think so. But I also think that we have like I think John Morant is 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 awesome. I think that what he did last night is great. But I just don't know how many people had John Morant until he did what he did last night, and it reminds me of, you know, like Kawhi had sixty in a game once for the Spurs, and it just randomly popped up in March, and we just immediately threw Kawhi into the MVP race when we've been sitting there putting Jokic and Embiid and Curry, you know, under this microscope, you know, the entire time. I just um, maybe that's an advantage. Maybe John Morant does deserve it, but. What about what about Giannis? Um, I yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> to see where the Bucks would be um, without him. In terms I mean, of value, I think he's the most valuable. Yeah, I don't think it's actually close. Correct. Because if, if people want to say, well, like look at LeBron, like okay, but they're not winning, you know. And LeBron does not do defensively what Giannis does, uh, not just as, as a shot blocker, even on the perimeter. Like he just doesn't, not anymore. Um. So, in terms of true value, Giannis and Jokic, it's really hard for anyone else to measure up to that. Now, who's having the best year of the great players, and their team is having the best year, and all the and they have value to that team? That's, I think, that that mix that you're talking about. Yeah, Jay Stu, do you have a guy? What would be your one, two, and three? Um, first and foremost, I'm that guy that always says that if you take that player off that team, I think it's a combination for me. It's how well a team has done, and if you were to remove that player from that team, would they still be you know that t- top echelon team? So I think with that requirement, I go with Giannis again, um, and then I go Embiid. But uh, Morant's, I think, picking up steam. Like not only is he uh, leading a, a decent team right now, but he's just like doing it in spectacular fashion. He's having those, uh, you know, those highlight nights, and I think he's making an impression. But I don't think he wins it. But I think he's an interesting candidate in this. Um, if uh, go ahead, if they overtake Golden State for the two spot in the West, which they're what a game back. Um, I I think that optic is a big deal. Because it's the reason why I put Curry at number one. You know, like, I mean, you know, you may not be the best in the West and may not be able to be able to overtake Phoenix, but to be in that, you know, in that top two. I mean, we were talking about DeMar DeRozan as the MVP as recently as, what, a week ago. Um, and I, I just, I feel like, I feel like there's a disadvantage as well to guys who are just in that spotlight the entire season. And it may not be... Um, it, it may not have an effect on them, but we've talked about Embiid, Jokic, Curry, Giannis all season long. 
and DeRozan here and there, and now John Morant is is added to the equation. I'm not saying he shouldn't do it, but to Jason's point, you know, you take his numbers and compare them to Curry's, and they're very comparable. But uh, I do think that there is something to always being in that conversation. Maybe that's our fault and not his. Uh, let me ask you guys something. Okay, so my assessment of Kobe, and no one's disputing whether he's not all-time great or not, right? But he was never in that bird magic Michael LeBron status, was he? Like I again, I did oh, not. No, I did not. No, no one. And this is to people uh, on Twitter. Like I, you're just. I get. It. He died. It's sad. It sucked. Right. And there are parts of Kobe which are more lore than reality. I'm just telling you. Like the Kobe was great, but never to the level of Bird and Magic and LeBron and Michael. Like, those guys, you know, and in all honesty, like, look, who's gonna ha- who's had a better career? Steph Curry or Kobe Bryant? Kevin Durant or Kobe Bryant? Kobe did it for 20 years. Right, he's, it's, some of it is like the LeBron, like the longevity battle. Like, that's really hard when you just have a volume of stats. Um, But, I mean, I would... I mean, Kevin Durant's been a more impactful player, in my mind. I mean, he's been—he was the best scorer in the league. He led the led the league in scoring four different times. You know, he's played in the NBA Finals. What, what is it now? Well, he, they technically they lost the last one, so he's played four NBA Finals, won two of them. Um, and I mean, he's—if they're both great scorers, and he isn't considered the defender of Kobe in his peak. But he's become a very vital defender and a different defender because defense is different now than it used to be, especially because he can protect the rim. Like you, what, you're, what you do is you you get so infatuated with the name, the logo, the shoes, the Lakers. Like, look, Kobe was really good. He was not as dominant as consistently dominant as Shaq when Shaq was in shape. Kobe just was in shape longer and 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 became better later in his career. Yes, Ramos, go ahead. I do think one thing that I did notice out of Kobe that maybe I didn't notice out of maybe a Dr. J or those maybe like the five through tens is I do think Kobe, like those top five players, did improve his game on a yearly basis. Like he was the type of guy that to me from as being a Laker fan watching like every year he'd have a new shot. Like he fought, like remember when he was like Dirk had that fall away one foot and then he decided to just do that too. Like, oh, I'm going to learn that shot. Like a lot of these guys that are in the top 10, like they did like Shaq, he was dominant, but he had like one thing he did, right? He didn't really try to learn anything else. Like he just kind of dunked and rejected balls and, but it was dominant. But like Kobe every year, I always felt like he did something new. Like then he had a fall away jumper, then he had like a reverse... He just did something, and that doesn't mean he's in the top five, but I'm just saying, like those top five players, like no, I understand. like Magic and, and Kobe and definitely Larry Bird, they always had a new shot. Like, that's what they did during the offseason. Like, okay, let well, me no, try I mean, this. Again, we're holding it. I mean, like, that's Shaq's problem. Shaq could have been the most dominant player. Okay, but he didn't. Maybe though. in the history of the league, but he didn't. Right. So that he was still, But he was still dominant. But he was. He's the, he's the only one. Yeah, he's the only one. Uh, like the Jason, doctor, Kidd, doctor. Jason, Jason Kidd's a perfect example. Like okay. Jason Kidd isn't on – he would absolutely be on my list. Jason Kidd was a great defense player, a gr- all-time great passer, and 
When he finished playing, Jason Kidd, who is known as Asin Kidd because he had no jump shot, he finished eighth all-time in three-pointers made. When, when he finished, obviously he slid further down the list because Steph and other guys have passed him. <clears throat> but the, the, the point is that all of those guys got better. You either get better or you're getting worse. Shaq was the only guy who would play his way into shape, you know? And so, so it didn't happen for him. But that you're not wrong, but I would say that saying that separates from Kobe from everybody outside of Shaq would be incorrect because all those guys improved. I'll say something quick, too. Like, like Magic. Hold on real quick. Okay. Before, Byer, uh, remember what you're going to say. Go look at Jordan, okay? Jordan was all mid-range and get to the rim early in his career. Okay, then he became a great, great jump shooter, deep jump shooter. Not necessarily threes, but he became a better three-point shooter. And then later in his career, after the <clears throat> after the retirement, he was the best post player in the league. He, he was a bucket, and that's where Kobe copied the footwork and, and the fadeaway from. So they all they all improved. They all come in as one guy and come out as another guy. But um, you know, I got some guy named Chop. Chopper, who's 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 questioning my <laughs> my basketball style. IQ. Hey, Chopper, I've forgotten more about the sport than you ever know. So stop <laughs> oh, tweeting at me. I'm just I'm just telling you. Like you can sit here and tell me. Like I I the Kobe Bryant was a year behind me in high school. He's a great player. He was never Magic. He was never Michael. He was never Bird. He was never Jordan. He just wasn't. He was never the, every year the most dominant guy in the league. Because he played at the Lakers, and because they won three consecutive titles, and then they won two later on, okay? But the guy who was unguardable was Shaquille O'Neal, and Kobe was great. And then it became Kobe's team. They fought over. They're both great. They're both great. Doug, the thing that I was going to say was that I think Magic, I think Bird, I think Jordan all happened organically or naturally. It just happened they end up taking over the league without us trying to anoint anyone. And I actually think it happened with LeBron, where it just naturally arrived. 07, taking over, dominating the Pistons, taking him to the finals, and then the move, and, and he's gone. And I just don't think it ever naturally happened with Kobe. I don't, I don't think, you know. Yeah, I don't think he ever took over the league. It was never Kobe Bryant's league. It just wasn't. Doug. And and that's the difference in those guys, all of those guys we listed, and everybody else. Like you can sit here and tell me that Kobe Bryant's great. Like, uh, you know, tell me where the difference is in Kobe and Tim Duncan. I'll wait. Right? Tell me where they're different players, different positions, both equally and incredibly dominant. Surrounded by great players, and they played for a great coach, and they won multiple NBA titles. Tell, tell me what I'm missing. I hate lists. So dumb. That's why you just got to do like tiers. And there's zero possibility. He's not in the tier of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar won six MVPs and six NBA titles. And it was the all-time scoring leader in NBA history. Now, if we're going post-Kareem, okay, then you put Kobe in that list of all of those other guys that, that we had mentioned. We didn't mention Steve Nash, two-time MVP. We haven't mentioned Giannis. Right, like Giannis right now, you wouldn't compare his his career to Kobe. But fast forward five years from now, and man, it's I mean, we realize how good this guy is and what a freak of nature he is. 
Real credit card questions require real people. Someone who understands your issue works with you to resolve them. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. Discover exceptionally common sense. Uh, We get some breaking news. Here's Dan Beyer. Breaking news from Fox Sports. Doug, a report from ESPN says the Players Association is not going to accept that final offer made by Major League Baseball's owners. The take-it-or-leave-it deal that was expected to be presented prior to 5 o'clock Eastern time apparently is going to be left by the Players Association, so we could be headed for an extended lockout and missing regular season games. But again, ESPN reporting the union will not accept the owner's uh, latest offer, their final offer, before that 5 o'clock Eastern time deadline. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting because we're still 40 minutes away. 40 minutes away from that deadline, yet they've already put it out there. We're not, you know, we're walking away. Last and final? Last and final doesn't mean anything. Bet they meet later tonight. What do you think? Byer, you want to you give me odds? Uh, they, they, they meet later tonight. I'll tell you after the break. Give you the odds. Mm-hmm. Okay. The odds will be fun. Let's Let's do that. Let's definitely do that. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Man, I hope you're in a good place mentally, physically. Um, dude named Joshua James is going to join us. He's the CEO and co-founder of something called One Of. Um, it's an NFT company. And NFT guy does feel a little bit like CrossFit guy, right? How do you know he's a CrossFit guy? Don't worry, wait five minutes. He'll tell you all about it. But NFTs are very, very popular and people are making a lot of money. And he's a got an interesting twist on it. We'll get to that upcoming. Um, okay, so no deal. No deal in baseball. No deal. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, this will be this will be really fun, and I think I think super super interesting. Jay Stu, do you understand NFTs? So, 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 I, I frankly do not. Yeah. That's why I'm looking forward to the conversation with Joshua here. Okay, so uh, what about you, Buyer? Do you do you understand the concept of NFTs? Not really. Okay. Here's what I know it as, basically, okay? And uh, Joshua James, the COO and co-founder of One Of, is going to join us. It's an NFT designed to create environmentally sustainable, creator-friendly, fan-friendly experience. Okay, what I know of NFTs is it's basically unique digital artwork, which you can buy, you can create, or you can buy, and then, like, you own it. It's like a, a Picasso, only digital, and... It exists in the met, in the metasphere, which is like the the digital world, which is people are buying real estate in the metasphere. Joshua James joins us. He's the COO and co-founder of One of. Is that am I am I close? Am I in the ballpark? Yeah, you're you're in the ballpark. And don't worry, my father is 81 and my mother is 78, and they still have absolutely no idea what I do for a living. Yeah, wait, wait, so, hold on, hold on. Yeah. That see, that's unfair. You're going like, listen, you sound like my 81 year old father. <laughs> Just because there's never been a PBS special like, hey, if you want to learn about NFTs, like here's what. It, OK, so an NFT just in it, 
in its most raw definition is what? Yeah, an NFT basically defines authentication and scarcity. So the blockchain can tell you, is this real? Is this not real? And then it can tell you exactly how many of them there are. Um, and so that sounds very simple, but once you start off with those two things, it sort of creates a very broad a broad sphere of things. Like, you know, I'm a sports card collector, and what do I have to do to make sure it's a real sports card? I have to send it to PSA, and then they grade it and tell me it's real, and I get it back. Um, and, it, and in the end, the blockchain can tell you instantly, is it real, and then how many of them are there? Okay, so what separates your NFTs, one of NFTs, from the rest of the NFT world? Yeah, so, you know, NFTs, we looked at the space and we saw a world that's very complicated, hard to get into, hard to understand, expensive, technically uh, a hurdle to to even buy an NFT. And so we set up a platform that's really for non-crypto people. So you should check it out, it sounds like, Doug. Uh, But, you know, it takes two minutes to sign up. You don't need to know anything about crypto. You can purchase with a credit card if you want to. And we have NFTs as low as $5, $10, $15. And so, you know, we launched initially in the music space. Um, You know, we're the official platform for the Grammys. We're Doja Cat dropped on our platform. Um, We did this thing with Whitney Houston. uh, And and we're moving into sports now. And we really think that sort of passion points around fandom are the way to bring people into the crypto space in an easy easy way for them to understand. Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Our guest is Joshua James. He's a COO and co-founder of 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 One O. Um, all right, here, here's a weird one. What the hell is a blockchain? <laughs> the blockchain is essentially a public record. That's the simple way to understand it. Like, uh, I don't know, Doug. I'm assuming you own a house. You can go to the county office. And you can see, you know, who owns which pieces of land. It's like a public document that you can get at the county accessor's office, as an example. Well, the blockchain is kind of like that. It's a massive um, chain of numbers and statistics and dates and, and essentially like digital stamps. So you can tell exactly who owns what, and it's all public on the blockchain. That's, I hope that is a helpful explanation. But that's basically what is a public record is what it yeah. is. I got it. Now I I I completely understand it. Now, in, in, in this month, you're going to be dropping NFTs of like Muhammad Ali, Jerry Rice, Emmett Smith, Billie Jean King, Mia Hamm. So, like, let's start with like Muhammad Ali. How many different yep. NFTs are there of Muhammad Ali? So we haven't dropped the Muhammad Ali one yet. The one that's coming up. Um, first of all, what's coming up this week is actually Duke around uh, Coach K's final game at, um, at Cameron, which we can get into a little bit. But the Sports Illustrated collection is eight athletes, um, and the athletes are actually involved, and we created a whole bunch of collectibles around their most famous Sports Illustrated covers. So the first collection is actually Emmett Smith, Jerry Rice, and Dick Butkus, which is dropping next week at oneof.com. Um, and there are multiple tiers of it. So there, you know, there's there's a $25 one that there's a lot of. There's a $100 one that there's a few less of. And then it sort of goes up in tiers from there. Uh, okay. So uh, what about this sports pass I can get? So I can I, – I, I thought – I mean, again, remember, these are very kind of layman thoughts on it. But my layman thought on it is, okay, so if the NFT comes out, you either buy it and own it or you don't. But you guys offer, like, uh, uh, two different types of – 
uh, you know, there's a, a, a sports pass, right? Like it's like two hundred bucks or three hundred bucks after yeah, the primary so, sale. Yeah. What, like, what does that entitle me to? Yeah, so we're doing a pre-sale right now on the sports pass, um, and what it lets you do is it lets you be first in line. So most of our collections always sell out. Um, and what buying the sports pass does is essentially get you to the front of the line. Um, so every time we do a drop, we usually have a pre-sale, um, and you have access to the pre-sale. We do in real life events. Um, we're doing all sorts of stuff in sports. Uh, the, the sports pass gets you access to that as well. Um, essentially, it allows you to be first in line to make sure that you get to be part of every drop. And each of them is totally different. It's actually very cool. We made, uh, I'm not sure, Doug, if you know what a generative collection is, but like the Board Apes, which you probably have heard of, is a generative collection. So every one is uniquely different. And so every sports pass actually randomly gets you um, uh, different types of access. And you don't necessarily know which one you're going to get. You might get one that's extremely rare. Uh, or you might get one that's the standard one. And so it sort of creates a fun, a fun game around it. Okay, but what, what does access to an NFT mean? What does that mean? So um, maybe I'll give you an example on, on, on the Duke collection. So we're going to make, uh, I believe it's 1,122 of the initial um, what we call gold tier NFTs. And that's because Coach K has won 1,122 games as of today. Um, so that will probably sell out in, you know, 30, 40 minutes. Um, so what we did is we took a percentage of them and we put it in a pre-sale exclusively for people that buy the sports pass. So you have first dibs on what is going to sell out, essentially. Hmm. Crazy. I mean, this is a, a, a crazy business. Like, how, how new is this? It, I mean, it feels like everyone's talking about it, but how new is the world of NFTs? Well, it's a funny story. My, my co-founder called me up just about a year ago and went on this breathless rampage, Doug, about how we needed to start an NFT company. And he finally took a breath, and I said, what's an NFT? <laughs> that was a year ago, right? So, I mean, it just goes to show you how fast things are, things are moving. I mean, you know, look, you, you have a university like Duke, um, and I could not be more impressed that they've leaned into this space. I mean, you know, you might have thought that they would have been super conservative and wait. And the fact that Coach K and Duke have, have leaned into this space, um, you know, it kind of shows that uh, this is here to stay. This is a real thing. No question about it. That's, uh, that's the voice of Joshua James, CEO and co-founder of One Of. Joshua, thanks so much for joining us. Really help you. Thank you for educating us and for drawing the parallel between me, myself and your 80-year-old parents. I appreciate that. that that's, <laughs> that's, that's, a good, that's a new one. No problem. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me. All right. So do we all know what they are now? Does that like was was he still speaking in jargon that you don't we don't understand i think i got most of it i still kind of don't understand the like the renting the space instead of owning it I, but i guess i do when i think of it that way for renting instead of owning buyer do you know what an nft is now are you are you more oh he's buyers than available okay what about what about you jay Stu? are you now like okay i got what the nfts are I'm yeah yeah players. i do I actually have a a vague idea of what it is when you know five minutes ago i had no idea um and now I want to learn more. So it's actually kind of uh, motivated me to to learn about it and, and get into it a little bit. Yeah. What were you going to say there, Ramos? I was going to say that he, I heard him say that he didn't know much about it and it took about a year ago. And look how quickly he – I mean, he's all, now he's all in. So it seems like something that once you get going, you can really, really get involved and really, really understand what's happening. No, no question. I mean, the, the problem is that – I just hate when you get into a, a a business space that you don't know anything about. 
right? Like you don't like, and everybody else kind of knows it become feels like sharks and minnows that you're going to be the guy getting taken advantage of. Maybe that's why the sports pass is better because it's not the major investment in buying an NFT. It's just kind of a uh, dip a toe in the water into the world of check out the latest lines in the world of sports at BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. You got to be 21. Present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Wait to hear what Brady Quinn had to say about Kyler Murray. It's next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Get to what the Fox said. Ow. <laughs> Here's what we do, okay? Uh, We take all the Fox Sports Radio shows, the Fox Sports 1 shows. We find something interesting. We bring it back for you. This is Brady Quinn, two pros, cup of Joe, former first-round overall, former first-round pick in the NFL, former starting quarterback with the Browns. Brady Quinn said this about Kyler Murray's contract situation. I want to say like a desperation play, but it feels that way because you'd think behind the scenes – you're maybe having some productive talks or there's been some momentum. And I don't think you let this stuff go public unless you can't even get a call back. I mean, it feels to me like maybe Steve Keim, I don't know if Michael Bidwell is involved in the process. I I would assume an an owner is when you're talking about an extension that's going to be north of 150 million, 200, maybe 200 million. But the truth of the matter is they want to be able to spread a chunk of his uh, signing bonus over a course of his contract. So it creates more cap space. So Chandler Jones, who's a free agent this year, you could sign him back. Zach Ertz, who's a free agent, all those decisions you've got to make. James Conner, free agent. Maybe you sign him back. Christian Kirk, like they got a lot of roster decisions to make. And, and I actually think, and, and maybe I'm just you know trying to defend the player here, it's really reasonable. Like, what he's done in his career, what they've done during his time since he's gotten there, they're all reasonable requests. And this is how the organization, in my opinion, should be looking at this. They should be saying, let's extend him now so we can rework all these other contracts and make sure we bring some of these guys back and build on what we've built so far. Yeah, I, I think it, that that's... I don't think it's that he couldn't get a call back, but I don't think that that helps you in any way. Making it public does when you make something a private negotiation public, that can work one of two ways. You know, the wrong owner, the wrong GM, the wrong timing, the wrong wording and, you know, any thought of an extension can go away. By, by the way, it's not crazy to think the Cardinals would think extension. There's nowhere near the money in which Kyler Murray wants. I, I don't – they have no leverage. He's not going to not play. They picked up his – they'll pick up his fifth-year option. They have no leverage. None. None. This is trying to create some public sentiment, which feels like an agent just trying to show he's doing his job, knowing that it's not going to change anything the Cardinals want to do. Here's Colin Cowherd talking about the Packers. What the story tells you is this. Packers have no idea what he's doing. Because these stories are telling you the Packers are offering a two-year deal. They'll make him the highest paid player in the league. They don't know what he's doing. And what they're doing is protecting themselves. So if he leaves, the Packers can say, look, 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 look. We were were going to make him the highest paid guy in the league. That's the only reason this story gets out. Because Aaron reportedly doesn't want it out. Because he said it was categorically false. The Packers don't generally want it out because they're a very private organization. 
So why is this story out? When you when you turn to the show, I'm not going to react. I'm going to tell you why stuff happens. This is why this story is out. Aaron has said it's false, so he didn't want it out. Green Bay's way of doing business is to not let stuff leak publicly. They hate doing that. But now they're forced to, to put it out there to protect themselves. So if Aaron leaves, hey, we we're going to make him the highest paid guy in the league. And by the way, Mahomes makes $45 million a year. The $50 million Diana Rossini report, yeah, it's over that. It would be, as Ian Rappaport says, highest paid player would be in the $50 million a year category. Doesn't bother me. You're not going to win Super Bowls, but it doesn't bother me at all. But just be straight with it. Diana and Ian don't make stuff up. Well, I, again, there, there's there's a gray area there, right? What it actually looks like financially, what it looks like, you know, what it looks like when somebody says, hey, he signs a five-year deal worth, you know, $200 million. And then you're like, okay, but how much money does he actually get? And how much of it is just manipulating the cap? Um, I, I Look, I thought for a long time that Green Bay's putting that stuff out there because they just don't want to look like the bad guy. They want Aaron to say, I just want to leave. It has nothing to do with money. It doesn't have to do with anything else. I just didn't want something new. But everyone you seem to talk to says... Nah, that's not really the case. It feels like he's coming back. Real credit card questions require real people, someone who understands your issues and works with you to resolve them. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. Discover exceptionally common sense. Uh, All right, coming up next, we'll recap for you the wild day that was Major League Baseball. At the top of the hour, you'll get a complete update on the labor negotiations, which we 5 o'clock, which is 6 minutes away on the east coast five o'clock is the deadline and it looks like there will be no deal by that deadline more updates to come top of the hour and then and then isaiah thomas said something about Giannis, which is contrary to what charles oakley said old school versus new school who wins next the doug gottlieb show